description done, the profile optimized, then we move on to what we've just been talking about, which is content strategy. Okay, from content strategy, we then go into engagement strategy because most people fail uh, in, you know, in terms of not engaging with their audience. From there, we go into growth strategy. So it's how did I go from 7,000 to 30,000 in 15 months? I teach you all those strategies on how to grow that audience. From there, we go into uh, monetization. Does that make sense? So it's structured in a way that we optimize, we create, we engage, we grow, we monetize. Okay. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is when you were structuring a piece of content. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans with Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our amazing podcast. This is where we reveal the top 1% of business concepts and systems and processes to scale eight and nine figure businesses. We interview top level eight and nine figure CEOs, business owners, and amazing TEDx speakers like David Meltzer. We got Nick Cavuto, Pascal Bachman, and so many others. And if you feel like this resonates with you, please share this with your friend, your family, and make sure you impact them as well because we're trying to spread the message on those that do not know how to scale eight, nine-figure businesses and talking higher-level business concepts. So guys, remember, enjoy the episode and be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans, and we have the CEO of Blaze Your Own Trail Consulting on today. He helps service providers grow their business through strategic marketing, sales, and leadership consulting. He has actually reached over 5.3 million content views, and his audience has expanded to 60,000 plus followers on this one platform, which we're going to be diving in here shortly. In April 2019, he started creating content on LinkedIn, okay, and quickly realized the power of the organic reach. By December, he had amassed 20,000 followers in this strategy, and he now teaches his clients in his 12-week program exactly how to do the same thing. His full-time trailblazer is his mainly focus, and his goal is to help over 100 entrepreneurs grow their brands to increase their impact and income each year. My friend, the one and only, Jordan Mendoza. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for making me sound way cooler than I am. It's always, yeah, always fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, hey, this is your story, and I'm actually really excited about diving into it because, again, to have almost 5.3 million organic views is very tough. Definitely on a platform that is now just finally getting its, its reach. But before we dive into that, I'd love to kind of dive into your story because you have a really, really unique story, specifically surviving a high-speed accident and getting 52 staples on both legs. And as well as being beaten and falsely arrested by police at 12. So if you would, I'd love to kind of see the, a little bit of backstory behind those, but how are you able to use those incidences as to build the, the business and the brand that you have now? Yeah, 100%. Well, well, to kind of answer that question right on the front end, I'm a big believer in, in, in definitely experiencing adversity, but adversity gives us strength. You know, anytime we experience something hard, tough, or loss, you know, any of that stuff, it, it really just kind of helps shape who we are. And it gives us uh, the ability to look through a lens that some other people won't, frankly, be able to experience. Uh, and what I've really found is the more that we share those stories, uh, those actually help people get through something that may, they may actually be facing that they thought was hard, or maybe they realize they've been through harder stuff, you know, once they hear your story. So uh, yeah, to give you some, some context, you know, uh, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon, and we, we grew up 
pretty poor, you know, food stamps, uh, you know, a lot of secondhand stores, things like that. And a lot of it was because my mom really couldn't work. She was born in the fifties with one lung. And, you know, when you're born in the fifties with one lung, the doctors basically kind of write you off. They're like, Hey, you know, she probably won't live to 18. She's definitely not gonna be able to have any kids. And they kind of gave her a crappy hand, but uh, she was one of those people that was a fighter. You know, she said, you know what, uh, thanks for telling me that, but I'm, I'm going to keep living my life. And she ended up living to 54 and having five boys and, and doing that with, with one lung and, you know, uh, figuring out ways to, you know, get us through sports and, and activities, uh, really, really having side hustles before they were, you know, a mainstream thing. She would go, go to bingo, go to the dog races. She would do everything to try to, you know, support the family. And, you know, because we were poor, we moved a lot. And so when I was 12, we actually moved, uh, one of the many moves probably 12 times from birth, you know, birth to 12, but we moved a couple towns away. And I remember begging my mom, because although we moved multiple times before, you know, that summer I was going into seventh grade, we always stayed in the same school district. And so I could go to the same school with my friends that I met in kindergarten. So I begged my mom because we moved a couple towns away and she said, Hey, as long as you let me come with you on the bus, you can learn the route. You're going to have to take two public buses to school. Uh, so I did it. I let her come with me. You know, my first stop was at a 7-Eleven convenience store. I would play Mortal Kombat 2. That was my game you know, back then. And I would wait for the bus. I'd get on the next bus and I would, I would go to school. And so on one of those days, I was doing my thing, playing Mortal Kombat 2. And I could hear the, the bells in the 7-Eleven like someone walked in. And I heard a, a male voice say, hey, Daniel. And because my name's Jordan, I just kept playing Mortal Kombat 2. And within about a minute, Christian, I was literally lifted up. I was thrown against the Terminator 2 pinball machine next door. Uh, it had a, a gun to pull the trigger. Uh, and I was thrown on the ground, punched in my ribs, handcuffed and thrown in a cop car. And so, you know, when I was in this cop car, of course, I'm, I'm crying. Like, I'm like, what the heck is happening right now? 12 years old. Uh, I, I remember saying to the cop, I was like, listen, like, please look in my jacket pocket. I, I know my name's on my homework. My name is, is not Daniel. It's Jordan Mendoza. And man, he, he grabbed that, you know, went to that pocket, grabbed the homework. He looks at it. It looked like he saw a dang ghost. Cause he saw, I wasn't Daniel, you know? And so the story behind the whole incident was they were searching for a Hispanic runaway. So, you know, other thing you got wrong is I'm not Hispanic. You know, my dad's from the Philippines and, you know, a lot of Filipinos have Spanish names because Spain colonized there for a few hundred years. But, but yeah, so he got that wrong. And I also wasn't a runaway. I was a kid waiting for a school bus. So, you know, we, we could have went through a really long judicial process, but, you know, seeing a lot of the things that my mom went through as a kid and uh, I went through some stuff with my grandmother who got cancer and dementia. And, you know, I just had the heart to say like, these guys need to lose their jobs, but I don't want to have this be this long, you know, drawn out court process. So at 12, I was like, I just want this to be over. You know, I had to go see the psychologist kind of went through all those different things. And I was like, I'm good. I don't hate police. I know that they made a mistake and, and we kind of moved on from there. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want me to stop right there and, you know, there's, you might have some questions, but, but that's, yeah, that's the first, uh, one of the first no, I, moments. I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing this and, you know, obviously your mother was a huge 
you know, figure in your life. And yeah. I, I would just love to kind of explain a little bit further, like unpack, you know, what other characteristics or what other traits do you feel like she, she instilled into you? And that's one yeah. of the reasons why you have, you have succeeded at the level that you have. Yeah, man, man, I think, you know, mindset, you know, having, having a positive mindset, she was always that person that no matter, I mean, the, the world is falling down in shambles around her and she just has a smile on her face, you know? So she, she really, you know, uh, shared that with me, kindness, being kind to people, no matter what they, what they look like, you know, their ailments, you know, she, although she had a disability, she didn't ever want to be treated like she did. And so she didn't. And so that actually helped us. Like I had some friends growing up, a kid named Eric Arnott, and he was handicapped, like visibly, you could tell. And he would drool and different stuff like that. But we always treated him like one of the other boys, you know, and like playing football, we're, we're throwing the ball to you, you got to catch it, Eric, you know, and, and by, I think my mom kind of showing me that with herself, like, Hey, don't treat me any different. It actually helped. And, and, and that kid thrived, you know, with the other kids in the neighborhood, because he felt like he was one of us and not somebody different, you know, so having that gift was huge, you know, uh, also experience adversity, experiencing like being poor, you know, seeing what that side looks like. And then, you know, at 12, another significant thing that happened as I met my dad for the first time at 12 years old, and he was out in Washington, DC, he owned a landscaping company. So I actually got to see another side of things that, that summer and go meet my dad for the first time. And so when you grow up with, with nothing, you know, and then you go experience someone that's, you know, maybe living in middle to upper class, man, that kind of changes your perspective. Um, and then I got a greater gift, uh, at 16 when I, my dad asked me to go to the Philippines and, uh, I was like, yeah, when are we going? And he said, no, you're going by yourself. You're going to meet your, your brother and, and some other family out there, but man, going out there, I, I really saw what poverty looks like, you know, be, being able to see how some of the people live in the villages and, and just the daily struggles of life. Like you want to get water, you got to go and pump it out of their dang ground, you know, into a bucket and then carry that bucket to the house. And then you can have a cup of water, you know, like seeing things like that, man, that shifted my perspective. And I appreciate you sharing it because see, it's, it is all about perspective, right? Because then all of a sudden, when you compare it to the right thing, you start realizing I am grateful for what I do have because I do not have less than what, what I have, right? And uh, my question to you is, Jordan, is like, you know, you've achieved really low lows, but also high highs. And so it's like when you're working with a company, right, with numerous companies in your business and, and your whole mantra is blaze your own trail, and I love to kind of get the story behind that. At what point did you yeah. realize, okay, this is my mantra. This is my quote. This is what I want to live by. Well, I've, I've been, you know, around trailblazers my whole life growing up in Portland, the Portland trailblazers. That's our, that's our basketball team, you know, like that. And I grew up in the, you know, in the eighties and nineties of really good basketball. So I've, I've always been a fan of trailblazers, not just the team, but just, uh, anyone that you learn about in history, people like, you know, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, you know, um, Lewis and Clark, these are trailblazers. Like these are people that did things that other people wouldn't have dreamed to do. And they said, I'm going to go against the status quo. So, you know, it's funny because my, my company launched after my podcast and a lot of people do it, you know, the opposite. So I launched the blaze your own trail podcast, January 1st, 
2020, of course, not knowing there's going to be a global pandemic that, that was getting ready to happen. And, you know, I got to name a show after my love for my hometown team and my love for, for people that blaze their own trail. And that's really where the whole thing started. And now, you know, a couple of years into the show, listeners in 68 countries were ranked one and a half percent around the world. It's just crazy to think that, you know, something that I started a couple of years ago is now impacting people and aspiring business owners and business owners alike uh, to help them and encourage them to show them that they can do it. You know, that's what my show is all about is like, Hey, if I can do it, like, look at where I came from, look at what I've been through. If I can do it, then anybody can. What, what do you think it means to you right now? Now that you have blazed your trail, uh, where, where does that, where does that lie in, in your, in your passion, in your drive and the vision that you have? Man, I, I feel like the, the shackles are off, if that makes sense. So like, you know, being in corporate, I was with the same company, Christian, for 15 years. Like in 2022, you, you tell me, you line up 10 people you know that have worked at their company 15 years. It just doesn't happen, you know? And so some people look at it and they're like, man, you probably lost out on a lot of money because you're at the same place and they gave you the 3%, you know? And again, yeah, you may look at it like that, but I, I look at that 15 years was like my training ground. I, I went from a boy to a man in that 15 years. I picked up so many different skill sets that I'm now able to monetize in my consulting agency. Like I just had a, a landed a client in Brussels because they looked at my LinkedIn profile and saw 15 years in multifamily and my ability to help people on social. And that's exactly what their company needed. Well, working at corporate, I couldn't have taken a client on a client like that because I had a full-time job traveling around the country, like coaching up 250 people in a market. So man, the, the freedom that comes with blazing your own trail and now being essentially a free agent, right. If you will, and being able to help and reach and impact people globally, there's, there's no better feeling uh, because again, like my, you know, you don't value your experience until you're on the other side of it. A lot of times I was just literally asking myself, like, what am I going to, I just spent 15 years in multifamily. Am I ever going to use this? And God's like, Hey, knucklehead, here's a lead in your inbox where you can leverage that skill set and your other skill set, marry the two. And then, you know, now you're helping an international company. Well, see, are you, What's so interesting about your story is just like you said, you acquire skills throughout your life. And then, of course, you don't know exactly how you're going to deploy those skills later on in life, but at least you have those skills established. And so my question, you know, when you're consulting with several companies and agencies and, and, and businesses, what do you think majority of businesses fail in regards to acquiring those skills? What skills do they do they lack that they should be focused on? Yeah, you know, really what I'm seeing a lot with the with the trends, and this is something I've seen for the last five years, is companies are afraid to to uh, let their employees loose, if you will. And what I mean by that is they're 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 so afraid to diminish the brand by having uh, letting people create content that they're actually hindering their company's ability to grow a brand. Does that make sense? Because you know, no, no one wants like LinkedIn company pages can perform well. Uh, Facebook company pages, that, that stuff can perform well. But if you actually would let your company's uh, employees, which are the, which should be the biggest advocates, sh create content on the company's behalf, 
uh, you would actually see a lot more results. And for some reason, there's so many corporate uh, companies out there that only want their marketing team to do it, but their marketing team is using tactics that are a decade old. And they're not, you know, but they've got, you know, 20 some things that are in an on-site role that actually know how to contextually shoot vertical video because they're doing it in their spare time, but they're not allowing them to capitalize on their strengths. So I think that's what I see in, in, in corporate cultures, even in 2022 still is they're they're so like strangleholded by what marketing used to be. And they're not getting on with the digital times, which is everyone that works there should be creating because that's going to only enhance the brand. Well, let's talk about this because you, I love this approach because there's something that I saw with Google and, and what they did was they gave freedom to a lot of their, um, their, their workers. And it's like 10 or 15 minutes. I forget what they called it, but there was just time where they could do whatever they wanted. And that's where a lot of like, you know, the Gmail, the Google drive, all that stuff, those creative ideas, that's where a lot of that developed. Now, 80% sucks, but all you need is 20% that are actually viable, developed, really produced, you know, kind of viral content or viral, you know, viable um, opportunities that actually produce majority of your revenue. And so my question, if we see this in this industry, what are your suggest suggestions to yeah. facilitate kind of that failure, but that really massive growth opportunity? <clears throat> yeah, what I would say to companies is, you know, look at where you're investing your money, and and you might ask yourself the question: Is there is there an alternative place I could invest it in my employees that where we could let their strengths truly shine? Because in order in order to actually put and enable people to do it, you want to know that, hey, they've got the strength. So what, what I would encourage is invest in a tool, you know, like strength finders, right? Clifton strengths, what a great tool that helps people identify their, their top five strengths. And if you see that those strengths are in alignment with, uh, you know, content around your company, a specific topic, then that could be a great person to do it. Does that make sense? And, and again, strength finders is one example, but even other assessments like DISC, right? Where you can easily identify where your introverts and your extroverts are. And nine times out of 10, your extroverts are going to be the ones that want to be on camera. And by identifying who they are, you say, hey, we've got a project for you. We need 50, you know, 10 clips on this topic. Go nuts, right? So, so now you're letting people do the things that, you know, who, who in the upper management, right? The C-suite really wants to show up on social. None of them do. Like none of them want to actually even do it. So why don't you give it to the people that a have the skill sets to have the personality, uh, but three have, might have the strengths to where they could take these concepts and actually turn it into potential revenue for the company. Wow. That's really good insight because see what I'm noticing is like you said, you're giving them the freedom, the, the ability to do that. And you're getting out of the way. But also what, you, what you're basically saying is you're facilitating this, not just with, oh, I'm going to just you know, give Billy Bob when his strength may not be, you know, that result that you're looking for. And it may 100%. be Stacy over here. And so really yep. you're taking the data that you have through a lot of personality tests and stuff like that. And obviously identifying, giving them the right project that will produce the best result with that individual strengths. And I like that approach. Um, I'm curious. How much emphasis do you put on the personality test when it comes to projects, when it comes to you know, putting them in the right team and facilitating that, and even the hiring and firing process? 
So I don't think that any tool should be used from a hiring and firing perspective, um, you know, because a lot of these, a lot of these tools aren't indicative of, you know, whether someone's a good candidate for a job, but I do see the value uh, of having them in place so that for one, people can be on the same page, right? Like think for example, so I'm certified in Myers-Briggs so I could administer the MBTI assessment. For example, you, if you're my client, Christian, you could, uh, I could send you a link, you take the assessment, I get the results of your assessment. And before I could share any of those results with you, I actually have to debrief you on the context of what each of these things means. Does that make sense? And, and then I have to actually get you to tell me which four letter type you think you are based on debriefing you on all the information. Okay. Once you've picked what your four letter type is, I could then hand you the form that, that tells you what the assessment says, and then you determine which type that, that you are for yourself. Does that make sense? Uh, and, and that avoids okay. things like, you know, pigeonholing, right? Cause you don't want to, you don't want me to be like, yeah, I feel that you're definitely more of this, but maybe inside you don't really feel that way, but you're just putting on a show. Does that make sense? Um, and so, you know, by doing it that way, and that's why, you know, I tell people all the time, like, if you want to take a personality assessment, just Google personality assessment. And there's a million of them on there for free. But if you want to take it and then also use it and leverage the data to help you become a better person in your personal and your professional life, work with a consultant, you know, work with someone that's certified because uh, they're typically going to work with a tool that has way many more people that have taken it. So the data is so much more vast than a free assessment. Does that make sense? It does. And one of the things that I, and I like to get your perspective on this, but what I, things I've noticed a little bit more so is not only, like you said, the projects, but also like the communication structure, right? So it's 100%. like, okay, hey, this person, person A, you know, the way they communicate, the way they listen, the way they process things is different than, you know, person B, and then really being able to identify their strengths and weaknesses. And of course, align that. And then as well as to me, I look at it as always like a cheat sheet. Oh, once I yeah. know that Jordan, the way he processes information, you got to be a little, you know, more, more technical, whatever. Okay, cool. Yep. Now that I know that now that I can give you the data, instead of being all Jordan, you're a mate, you know, like more, more aspirational, if you will. Um, what have you noticed with that? I'd love to get your perspective. Yeah, no, and that's a perfect example. So like, so one example, I put a church team, there's like 32 members on a team. So you have senior pastors, you've got associate pastors, you've got marketing, you've got finance. So just think, you know, you got the whole team and we put them all, all through MBTI. And so they all took the assessment, you know, I put them all through the debrief. They all got the results. And man, when you want to talk about epiphanies, it's like, you know, it's like, man, like, like Jeff isn't a knucklehead. It's just because he's wired like this. So yeah, you're, you're completely right from the sense that it enables you to kind of give people grace because you understand you have context that, Hey, you know what? They don't get their energy from being around. Like why, why is Billy always in the corner by himself? It's not because he doesn't like people. He just gets energy by being by himself and reading the Kindle, you know, on his own. Whereas like Mary, 
may get her energy from the internal, from the external world. So she needs to be around people all the time. Does that make sense? So, so it does enable you, like you said, Christian, to uh, know more about each other and it enables those working relationships. And even as I, I, I actually tell people all the time, if you're in a relationship, if you're you got a significant other, if you're married, you, you should definitely take that assessment with your significant other or your partner as well, because it's going to help you guys clash less by having that deeper context. I love that. Uh, really, really solid point. And I appreciate that perspective. Because just like you said, it, it's like a, an epiphany that a lot of people experience. And then again, it's just that cheat sheet being able to say, okay, hey, that's how I communicate with this person. Uh, I mean, the sales team versus the HR, total different, you know, um, offices and total different personalities, and they have to communicate and um, work together. Now, let me ask you this, Jordan, because I like to pivot a little bit, because you dominate in the LinkedIn world. Uh, and what I love about the LinkedIn world, because we're noticing like TikTok is, is beautiful because it's got that organic reach. However, though, sometimes that audience isn't the best for like B2B world, right? Uh, then you have Instagram. Instagram, we know Facebook, that community is really nice. However, the, the organic reach has decreased. Um, and so now we're starting to really see LinkedIn ever since the acquisition from you know Microsoft acquiring it. Uh, what I love about this is they put a lot of time and energy and money into this. And so they're putting, you know, big, you know, money behind it. However, they have adjusted a few things, but obviously like you've seen, okay, you can get 5.3 million views on your content, which then of course naturally attracts people directly to your platform, your offer, your service. Uh, and I don't want to dive into like how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. I think we're over that really, but it's more of like, okay, how do you create the content um, that's a good hook. That's a good attraction. What are you noticing? What's the best way? And of the kind of the long-term expectation, like, okay, naturally when you post once, you're not going to get you know, a thousand comments and likes, but over a period of time, what does that longevity growth look like? Yeah, I love that. And, and yeah, so if you always want to start out with optimization. So for anyone that might be watching this or may listen to this, you, I'll give you just a, a quick kind of cheat sheet on what you need to dial in with from a profile perspective, because I think it's going to help some listeners. So, you know, the first thing you should tackle is your, your billboard. And I call it a billboard because LinkedIn gives you this free massive piece of real estate, this big billboard or banner image, you know, on your profile. And most people don't take advantage of it. They either put a picture of a bird or, you know, something that they like or a quote, um, but it's not really adding value or serving purpose from a business perspective. And so you want to make sure that's branded. It's got, you know, a different image than, than your profile picture. And it's got a, some call to actions for your audience. Like, what do you want people to do when they land on your profile? And then your, your image, I always tell people the rule with social is, your LinkedIn, your TikTok, your Instagram, your Facebook, this, the profile picture should be the same. So no matter where people find you, it, it's uh, synonymous across the board. Uh, and then your tagline, you want it to be optimized from a service perspective with uh, keywords sprinkled in. And I always tell people to include a call to action on that headline as well that tells people what you want them to do next. Um, from there, you, your about summary should not look like a resume. It should look like a story, like you're, you're telling and giving deep context about you. Um, and then a couple other things to get dialed in, make sure you have creator mode turned on, uh, you know, a good call to action for your featured section as well. So, so from an optimization standpoint, once you've got that stuff dialed in and now we're going into content strategy, uh, when I'm working with clients, I, I always tell them to focus on really the, 
the three buckets uh, of content pillars. And for me, that's educational content, educational con or entertaining content or empowering content. So if you can focus on those three layers and then within each of those layers, just map out what your goals are for that week. You know, is it, is Monday, you know, uh, inspiring somebody or motivating somebody. What does Tuesday look like? And and you definitely don't want to be selling every day. You want to be teaching again, educating uh, or empowering. You know, each time that you're putting out content. And then, of course, if you've got an offer or something that you that you're planning on getting people to opt into, uh, you can you can actually plug those in. But you want to make sure that there's content, educational content sprinkled out before you actually get to, uh, you know, an ask, if that makes sense. Um, it does. So let me ask you this, because I, I love that, that, that strategy. Let's talk a little bit of the content itself, because that's what you yep. really, really dial in and the marketing. Um, yep. So naturally, let's say, for example, you are a service provider, let's say a fractional CFO, Right. Yep. And your ideal client are like, you know, business business owners that are a million, two million, and you can come in and say, hey, instead of having a CFO in, in-house, you can be fractional. Now, yep. with that being said, now you've dialed in, okay, I know who I'm talking to, and I know my service. Kind of give me some, actually, maybe better yet, give me an example, Jordan, of you, like you're one of your clients that you've been able to say, hey, this strategy and, and what kind of content can we provide that's relative to who we are and who we want to attract but also like you said it's not just some sort of random thing hey i found this cool quote uh thought it was awesome right it's actually something of value to that specific audience walk me walk us through that yeah so i mean obviously uh, a cfo you're you're taking care of all the financial side of things for people so uh what i would do if i was a cfo for one um if you're not if you haven't been consistent at creating or showing up I would have your first piece be kind of an intro video, right? It's like, hey, you know, I'm Jordan. I'm, I'm a fractional CMO. Here's who, here's who I help. If you know anyone that's uh, looking, I'm, I'm looking to connect with new people, right? So that's kind of an intro, just so people see who you are. I would do that in a video format. Um, you know, I've seen we've been testing lots of different video styles on the platform, uh, and what's interesting is is vertical or um, you know you know, portrait style video or landscape both perform uh, on the platform, but video never performs as well as like standard text posts and image posts do on LinkedIn. And you guys have probably seen that as well. Um, but again, think about, uh, you know, the journey. So if you're just getting started, it's introduction. And then maybe the next day I would come up with, you know, here are the top three misconceptions about hiring a fractional CFO, right? Educating people on something. And then the next one, maybe it's a, a, a testimonial from a client, right? So it's just building that awareness around who you are and what you do and educating people along the way. And then, you know, you can have some type of ask. So like, hey, uh, you're looking to work with with five new companies. Uh, if if you want to talk about to talk to us, we have a three 30 minute consultation. Click the link below, right? And then you put that link in the comment section, not in the post, but in the comment section because uh, you don't want to lose any visibility by putting it in the actual uh, post, which a lot of people make that mistake as well. I love that. Those are really good insights because I actually am, uh, I've made that mistake numerous times and I noticed a massive drop off in regarding the impressions, uh, putting that link uh, in the actual com comment section instead of uh, the post. 
Um, yep. A really, really good insight. Now let's walk through this because the videos, it doesn't, it's dependent upon where they're at. Some people, they probably have some sort of engagement they posted maybe within the last 30 yep. days. Some people it's, it's sold and they need to do a whole restructure. Uh, there is a massive opportunity. LinkedIn is beautiful, definitely in, in the B2B world. Um, you can build some great connections. Walk me through how to, you know, get your posts to not go viral, but to like, obviously, um, you know, LinkedIn will automatically organically push that out uh, and get, you know, uh, the algorithm to work for you. Walk me through that a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great uh, question. And so let me just tell you a little bit about our, so our program, our 12 week, you mentioned it a little bit ago, but the way that it's actually structured uh, because again, I spent 15 years in corporate uh, and, and anyone watching or listening, if you've been in, in that corporate world, you know, their approach, they take the biggest fire hose they turn that sucker on full blast and they shove it down your throat. And that's how they expect people to really retain information. So when I structured my program, Christian, I literally made it so that every week we cover three topics each week. We actually take action on the three topics. You get homework on the three topics and then we don't meet until everything's done in, in that next week. Um, but that way it's actionable, it's practical, and it's it chunked to a point to where people aren't feeling overwhelmed and they, they get the copy of the video, they can rewatch, rewind and all of that. But the reason why I'm telling you that is like when I structured the program, uh, it's literally structured in sections. So the first couple of weeks, it's optimization, right? We've got to optimize your profile, just like when you're building your house, if the foundation is janky, that house is going to be faulty down the road. So you want to have a strong foundation. Once we, after we've gotten the foundation done, the profile optimized, then we move on to what we've just been talking about, which is content strategy. Okay. From content strategy, we then go into engagement strategy because most people fail uh, in, you know, in terms of not engaging with their audience. From there, we go into growth strategy. So it's how did I go from 7,000 to 30,000 in 15 months? I teach you all those strategies on how to grow that audience. From there, we go into uh, monetization. Does that make sense? So it's structured in a way that we optimize, we create, we engage, we grow, we monetize. Okay. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is when you are structuring a piece of content, you, there's a lot to think about, you know, and, and most people don't realize that they don't think about the copy. They don't think about the hook, that first sentence and how impactful it is to the reader that may come across that piece of content. They don't have something compelling enough to keep people engaged. So one of the things we do in our program is we teach copywriting techniques because most people write in these like big chunk paragraphs and it's hard to read. So people just keep scrolling. Well, we teach you how to write in one line sentences so that people it's easier on the eyes, but if you can get people compelled after that first sentence hook, that usually will keep them reading. So you've got to be good at telling stories and, and bringing things like that to the table. Um, and so I'm sharing that with you because a lot of that has to go into before we even get to what type of question do we want to ask? Do we want to ask an open-ended question? Probably because that elicits um, you know, engagement. And then what hashtags are we using? And then from there, what question are we asking in the comment section, right? Because engagement sparks engagement. We want to be that first commenter. Maybe we've got a question to ask. Maybe we've got a call to action. We want to drive traffic to an opt-in page, whatever that goal is. But all of those things have to be thought about when you're creating content. Wow, this is really good insight. And guys, I just want to stop here for a second because see, 
this like million dollar kind of content. And the reason why and an idea is because see, these are tips and tricks that Jordan has already developed and dialed in and knows that works and produce results and just by implementing it. And um, um, however, the one of the things that I, I learned a little bit is we all understand the concept of, you know, consistency, right? And um, all the algorithms, whether you're on TikTok, whether you're on Instagram, they all love consistency and bringing people on the platform because the longer they keep people on the platform, the, obviously the more money they make for advertising, all that stuff, right? We get that. So the thing is, is what would you say is a proper call to action? So, and what I mean by this is, what is the best way to, you know, are you are you just giving them more value in a landing page or is it, hey, schedule a phone call or what would you say is the best? I know it probably depends upon that industry, but I would yep. love to get your uh, response. Yeah, you know, a lot of it definitely depends on industry, but also your goals. Like what what is your goal for that particular post? So I'll, I'll give you a, a good example. So I, I do a post probably at least once a month for, my LinkedIn playbook. And so my LinkedIn playbook, it's a free resource that I created about a year and a half ago. And it's like four different tips on how you can organically grow on LinkedIn, right? So it's valuable, it's actionable, it's a PDF. And so when you opt into the playbook, you get, you get it instant download, you, you access it, you can use it to leverage. And then we, that also enters people into, uh, building a relationship, right? So we're going to continue to communicate, nurture that relationship and see, you know, outside of just LinkedIn, you know, are there area, other areas we may be able to help, right? So there's a, a, a drip campaign, right? A process so that we can leverage this new relationship that we were building with somebody and take it to that next stage, right? So that's why I said it, it just depends on what your goals are. So just to give context, when I do a post like that, I'm typically on average getting it right around 30 opt-ins each time I put out that post. Okay. And so if, if, you know, out of that 30 opt-ins, if, you know, even 10% were to convert, um, you know, there, there's an opportunity from one post to add, you know, 25 to 30,000 in revenue for coaching clients. You, does that make sense? So, so it, it's, you, you have to really be strategic on LinkedIn. And that's, I think where I see people fail is, is it's kind of like, uh, you know, they're doing the shotgun approach. It's like, Hey, I heard you got to put out a lot of content. And so they're not truly strategizing before they put it out. And that's, I think where, where people don't find success. I think we're all guilty. I know me personally, I was very guilty of that, where it's just more of quantity because that's what we hear in the game. And the reality is as long as it's quality directly to that, because it's like, you know, we, we always think about a massive input creates bigger output. And the reality is, hey, it's, it's those high leverage activities. What is the least amount of uh, input that I can put in the energy and effort, right, unit? And then, of course, that massive output, that highest leverage activity. And like you said, it's more strategic. Now, I would like to kind of have that conversation a little bit about like I've seen a lot of um, uh, communication or call to actions where, hey, direct message me, connect with me, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, instead of going into a phone call where you can't control that, now it's people connecting to you. And what I've noticed in LinkedIn is that you can only do max of 100 request connections. However, though, um, a week, excuse me. However, though, if you have people coming to you, you can receive as many as you want. And that's what I've noticed creates a lot of conversation. What have you noticed with that, Jordan? 
Yeah. So, you know, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of, you know, quote unquote networking posts, right? Where people are like, hey, I love to network. Just send me your request, you know, and it's like a networking train and, and everyone connects with, with everyone. And, and, you know, that that's a way that if you want to build your network, I don't really recommend that approach from a, a strategy standpoint, because you get a lot of people that may not add value to your niche or, or, or what you're up to. But, um, you know, I always tell people, yeah, because there are limitations, just like every platform you can, like you mentioned the, the hundred limit, you don't want to get put in LinkedIn jail where they could potentially ban your account or shadow ban you or not enable you to comment like there's things that can happen if you overdo certain functions, but LinkedIn isn't the only platform that's like that Facebook will do that if you copy and paste the same message, you know, too many times they, they kind of catch on uh, to things like that but you know, from a, from a network building perspective, uh, I always, I always say, do your research, right. Especially if you're looking for a specific target audience, do your research and then, you know, create something that a framework and a system and a process that works for you. And so that's one thing that like in my program, I help, we've already created templates that are tested. They work every time, you know, our conversion rates are high. So we help our clients with direct message templates so that they can literally copy, paste, personalize, of course, with their info, but, but the conversions on them, we already know that they, they perform really, really well. Um, and, and that helps people not have to reinvent the wheel. How long would it take now, because there are a lot of individuals on Instagram, LinkedIn, excuse me, to get that 5.3 million impressions? Like you what would you say is that long-term game? I mean, I, honestly, if you're using the right strategy, uh, you can you can probably hit it within a year. I mean, you, you know, and now, like, you know, I, I remember in 2019, I started creating my first video. Christian had five views and they were all me. Cause I kept going back and like watching the thing over and over again. And now we're actually doing, I just look for the quarter we've done like 1.3 for the quarter. So for that's, you know uh, and so that, that's a big difference, but again, how, how now my audience is like, we're just under like 70,000, 68,000 followers. So I'm, I have more people that my content gets pushed out to. Um, and so all of that, that definitely attributes. And so now we've probably done like 7 million, you know, views since 2019 of the content, you know? Um, but again, I think, like you said, you hit it on the head. It's, it's, it's about consistency coupled with strategy um, because, and then constantly testing, like you want to be testing. So there was a point in time about six months ago where polls were like the hottest thing since sliced bread. And I could do a poll and get 150,000 views and gain 400 new followers, you know? Well now, because people used it and abused it and overdid it, they're, they're not pushing it out that, that much, you know, so, but I always tell my clients all the time, whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, anytime there's a new feature, you want to jump on that thing like ASAP uh, because early adopters always, always win when it comes to social because the platforms are pushing those features out to more people. What have you noticed with, um, because I know you do a lot with this. I have not entertained this much LinkedIn live, um, how to really leverage it, um, how to push the, the, what's the difference? Obviously, what's the, what's the benefit of doing it constantly? Um, love to get your response on that, what you're seeing. LinkedIn Live, it's, 
you know, it's, it's an interesting tool because it used to be this thing that, you know, you had to apply for. And like, you know, it took me like four or five times to apply to get access. And, and it was kind of like this secretive thing. Well, now, you know, if you have turn on creator mode, if you've got a certain amount of connections, I think 500 connections that enables you to turn on newsletters and, and LinkedIn live. And so what I like about live is, you know, there's a lot of third party streaming tools that you can use to go live on LinkedIn. The one that I use in particular is called restream.io. And what I love about LinkedIn live, well, what I love about live in general and and about restream is I'm going live every Monday at 9am Eastern in a private Facebook group on a Facebook page, on Twitch, on YouTube, and on LinkedIn all at the same time with just the push of a button. And so with LinkedIn live, uh, you know, it's, I've actually gone live for 30 minutes and had three organic leads in my inbox after going live for 30 minutes. Why? Because people are seeing you and they can ask you questions in real time. Mine literally it's 30%, you know, training and teaching and then 70% Q and a, and honestly, I would rather have, even if 20 people show up, there might be four of them that are in my ideal audience and three of those may contact me and, and may turn into a phone call. Does that make sense? So it's, to me, it's low hanging fruit, especially um, if you have the knowledge and insight to, to comfortably be able to answer people's questions in real time, there, there's no better way to reach your audience, in my opinion, by, than by going live. Um, now, so, not everyone is confident enough. Not everyone can keep the audience engaged, right? Because there's there's little tricks and tips that I'm doing. I'm like, hey, comment number one if you want me to share this story. I've got a crazy story. Press number like type number one in the chat if you want me to share that. You know, so there's different things that you can do to engage people. There's a ticker symbol I have running with a call to action. There's different things that I can pop up on the screen. So. If, if you can, if you can uh, be the host and you can do it well, then there's a lot of opportunities with live, but also just imagine, right. If I, if, you know, I've got an audience of close to 70,000 followers, right. And you're a business that wants to let people know about what you do. And I invite you to come on. That's going to add a lot of value to you as well. Right. Um, to come on and be a guest. So. Which is awesome because, see, that's that's really what it comes down to. It's you're an influence. You have this platform that you can then speak and talk and educate whenever. Uh, and I just like to, to see the tips and tricks of leveraging, you know, uh, LinkedIn Live because I understand Instagram Live. When someone is live, that um, individuals that follow you, they get a notification naturally that says, hey, Billy Bob just went live. And so uh, making sure people show up. What have you found is like the most effective time? Obviously, it depends upon the industry and whatever. Um, however, though, what is the most effective time to go live? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon when they're on lunch, uh, when they have time? Uh, and then as well as um, how long should it normally be, 10, 15 minutes? And then do they get a notification that you are going live? Yeah, so so I'll start with that last one first. So on LinkedIn and Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Every platform notifies when your audience, when you go live. Okay. So that's kind of the first answer in terms of when is your audience active? uh, You need to uh, look, have a tool that either tells you that information. Like I use a tool called shield, the shield app, like shield.io. And it gives me a lot of data that you don't get from, I also have LinkedIn premium, but premium only gives you certain data. This other tool gives me deeper insight on 
when my audience is most active. So I would say invest in a third party tool so that you can leverage that information. So now if you're on TikTok, that's a platform I've been uh, having a lot of success on, but I, you know, I invested in a coach, I invested in having someone coach me for eight weeks and went from 1200 followers to now 13,000 in the last six months. Um, and, but what's cool about TikTok that's a little different than LinkedIn is TikTok in their actual analytics part of their uh, platform, you can see exactly when your audience is most active, right? You can see, you know, and so for me, when I go live on a platform like TikTok, I actually do it when my audience is least active. And, and the strategy there is to pick up new people that, that could potentially see me that are outside of my audience and, and may potentially become a new follower or, or someone in my pipeline. Mm, wow, you're giving me some really good insight. And uh, yeah, these are some, some selfish questions. I'd love to see kind of what that looks like. Um, now, I, I love this strategy and diving deep into the LinkedIn and so forth um, and really kind of coming back a little bit, looping around back around to, you know, the hook and the value um, ad, but not in post in the direct messaging, because I think we all have experienced this copy paste, whatever, and trying to pitch them, get on a phone. Um, I've done it. I'm guilty of it. I've had other individuals, you know, pitch me and so forth. Um, and the biggest thing is just having that conversation. Now, I also understand that there's this value app. And what I've noticed is people started thinking, oh, value means, oh, give me a resources that they have that's really not relevant to what, I, what I'm looking for. Um, and I love to kind of get your response on it because it has to be very custom approach. It's scaling the unscalable instead of this mass quantity. Like you said, it's more sniper-like approach marketing and strategic and the way you present it. And I love to just kind of walk me through how you do it and how you teach your clients. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's all based on touch points, you know, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of people don't think about touch points and how important they are. But like, if you think about being a consumer, whenever you first meet someone or interact with someone, you typically want them to thank you, right? Like, Hey, thanks. Like be cordial, you know? So a lot of the things that, that I teach is like going back to the basics, like let's go back to human psychology. We, we all love to be thanked. You know, we all love to, to feel appreciated. We all like all of those things. So that should be part of your messaging. You know, if I was messaging you, like if we just connected on LinkedIn, my first message shouldn't be, Hey, great connecting. Do you want to buy my 12 week LinkedIn course? <laughs> you know, like, like that would be the wrong approach, but so it should be more like, Hey, Hey, Christian. So great. Uh, connecting. Thanks so much. Um, I can't wait to learn a little bit more about you. If I can ever be of value or service, let me know. And that's it. Right. And so that's typically like what the first connection message looks like. And then it's actually engage with people's content. So we, we want to go and when they post the next time, I want to make sure that I can show up for them and, and engage and build that relationship a little bit before I even think about sending another message to them. Does that make sense? And so based on what that touch point, again, first touch points of message next is engagement, right? Building that relationship. If they've commented back and replied, now that gives me some ammunition to say, you know what, maybe maybe I need to reach out in a day and send them another message and check on them uh, and maybe give them a free resource, give them something, right. Something of value to them, or maybe uh, introduce them to my podcast. And so they can learn more about me. And that's something that'll add value. Does that make sense? So, so your, your next message is, is complete value. So it's 
cordial introduction, thanking them uh, if, if I can ever help, right? So it's literally all positives. And then it's engagement interaction. And now it's back to, hey, you know, I, I thought this, this podcast episode I had on X guest may add value to you. I'd love for you to check it out. Let me know your feedback. Like who doesn't like giving people feedback, you know? And so it's, it's literally about your, your messaging uh, and strategy, but you want to do it because you really are trying to get to know them. You know, it's not like a scam. It's like, I'm trying to figure out who you are and to see, can I actually serve you? Can I actually add value to you? And then based on how that goes, obviously more interaction through content, then it may make sense. Hey, um, I don't know if this would be helpful or not, but I, I looked at your profile. I actually see a couple areas. I did a quick assessment. I'd love to show you a couple areas of improvement. Would it make sense to jump on a call? Right. And now what have we done, Christian? Well, we've met, like we've engaged in conversation, we've exchanged value. And now, you know, we may actually jump on and connect. That may look like a, Hey, let's, I'd love to buy you a virtual coffee. Uh, let's jump on a call and connect and let me learn more about you and see if there's any one I can refer you to. Right. So, but again, it's all centered around building relationships, not transactions. And I think where most people make mistakes is they're so transactional. And what I learned from, uh, I saw John Maxwell speak for the second time in this January. And he said the, when his business truly shifted is when he went from being transactional to transformational. Uh, you know, because anyone can get a transaction, but if you can transform someone's life by shifting their mindset or their perspective or how to do something different that truly adds value long-term, then that's transformational. I love this, man. Wow, this is so powerful. Because it's like, to me, nowadays, it's so common sense, right? It's building relationship. And that's really what it comes down to. But so many, like you said, want the, we're so short-term thinking that we think that transactional side of things instead of like that long-term. And that's one of the reasons why I always want to have the right perspective because in order to get that long-term, it takes a long time, right? That's the reason why that I say that. Uh, but like you said, it is more transformational and that's how you have and sustain a successful eight, nine figure business and, and go from there. Um, and I love that. I love this, this conversation. One of the things that I have learned um, that really get a really good engagement is by asking questions. Instead of coming in as the expert, just asking a question and saying, hey, I'm glad to connect. I love what you're doing at ABC Company. Hey, what are some big projects you're excited about for you know end of Q2? Wonderful. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to, that opens up a conversation. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Oh, that's really, you know, and then naturally, I'm able to lead them into the next thing. But it's like, it's just there's so many different techniques, but it's like, you just think about a, a regular conversation. You're not just going to go up to someone at a, at a, you know, a birthday party and say, what do you do? Oh, well, I could give you value. Here's this, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, what, what do what do you do, man? Tell me a little bit more about you, man. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. Oh my, you know, who, who are you looking to collaborate with? Oh, cool. You know, and it's just, it's just that conversation and relationship. Um, and then as well as I, I know personally, I've gotten tons of beautiful people on my podcast through LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of people love to share their story. Uh, you and I, that's how we connected. I love what you had going on. I want to just, you know, selfishly had you on. Um, and Jordan, I just appreciate the immense value that you, you brought just from your story to, you know, understanding how you're able to use those 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 devastating situations in your life to obviously build a successful business and brand uh, and impact hundreds upon hundreds of people. Um, Jordan, how can our audience reach out to you, be part of what you've got going and implement some of your strategy, man? 
Awesome, man. Well, well, first off, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Anytime I can share with the hope to inspire or help somebody, you know, blaze their own trail. That's, that's what I'm all about. So, you know, a couple of easy places to find me. If you just Google uh, blaze your own trail podcast, you can find the show, you know, we've, uh, you know, had some pretty cool guests on some, you know, former athletes, some authors, some speakers, hopefully we'll get Christian on the show soon as well. Uh, so you can tell your trailblazing story, but yeah, search the blaze your own trail podcast. You can find me over on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Jordan J Mendoza. And of course you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And what I'd love to do for your audience, uh, anyone that, may be interested in, in taking, you know, their LinkedIn brand from optimizing their profile to monetizing it. I'd love to really extend for your audience. All you have to do is just DM me on Instagram, the word blaze, and I'll give you $500 off the 12 week course. Uh, and that's a one-on-one -on -one course or a group version, just depending on your learning style. Awesome. That is huge guys. I literally tell you right now, stop and, uh, you know, uh, those links will be in the description below. So make sure you consume, make sure you reach out. And then as well as um, Jordan's Instagram is down there as well. So make sure you click on that, uh, be, uh, follow him, and then obviously DM him, Blaze. Jordan, that's awesome gift. I really appreciate that for our audience. Uh, before we let you go, uh, is there any last words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, I'd like to leave you guys with a quote. I've been doing this a lot last couple of years because it's it's something I came up with in 2019. I didn't know how much I would need it in 2020, you know, knowing how terrible and crazy that year was, but it's still adding value to people today. And so the quote is, the struggle might be real, but the good news is that every struggle has a free gift called a lesson. And that, my friends, is Jordan Mendoza. My friend, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. That is Journey with Christian Evans podcast. Until next time, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guest by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review and just show some love to our guest. That would be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would bring value to their life right now. Uh, and guys, we just want to say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you want to have more resources, don't be afraid. Go to christiandevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. That's christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life and we'll make sure we have those conversations. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davis podcast. And until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Cheers.